0: Hello everyone. Great to see you all. Um, I know you've come to see Sylvia Rosie, and Annie-Marie Akusa, but I'm just going to speak for just a few minutes just to give you a little bit of context so that you you have an idea of the setting that they've been in, um, the context for the talk basically. So... um, I'll just speak five minutes and then each of um, Sylvia will speak approximately ten, uh, 20 minutes and afterwards Annie-Marie will speak for approximately 20 minutes S- and they'll speak about their residency and their experience and afterwards if there are questions we can, uh, we can just continue if any of you are more interested. Can you all hear me? Yeah. Okay, great. Uh, so um, in 2015 the Joseph and Annie Elbert's Foundation started a new residency in, um, in Senegal in Tambacunda, it's uh, an eastern re- region in Senegal. Um, so, the the residency is um, a collaboration with Le Corsa, an uh, NGO that has worked in the region since, two thou- since 2005. Um, Le Corsa has already worked on uh, medical projects and uh, agricultural projects and educational projects as well as um, cultural projects since 2005. But in, um, in 2015, uh, it was sort of the time to make this bridge between art and, uh, and the NGO projects that Le Corse were, were doing. Um, so, the, the building is designed by Toshiko Mori, and it has a number of functions It's not only an artist in residency program, but as much a cultural center for the village in which it's located. It's a small village called Sintian, so when you hear the artist speaking about Sintian, that's the village where Threat, the the residency, is located. Um, So just to... maybe I don't know how many of you have been to Senegal or know Senegal, actually? All right, yeah. So you know Tambacunda a little bit, yeah. It's a seven-hour drive from Dakar and um, it's the region where Le Corsa felt that it was the most needed to, to do work. And it's a the way Le Corsa works is really always with local colleagues and local partners. Um, yeah, and you can, l- you can learn much more about these projects later on if you're interested. We can talk about it later. Um, but so the, the residency is built in that spirit mm-hmm. <coughs> um, of, uh, of a place where there's space for exchange. And... Um Basically, um, yeah, so it's a cultural center where the local people use it for, you know, um, there'll be parties, there'll be village meetings, there'll be educational meetings around health and language classes, Um, it's also a building that retains the rainwater, so... um, it's, uh, that serves the agricultural projects around the centre because there's a number of agricultural projects. So it really has a really a big impact on the, on the society. And so the residency is located in, in that building, in the village right next to a medical centre. And in the residency, there'll be two artists at the time coming from all over the world. There'll be Senegalese artists or people from anywhere else. So, two artists at the time, and they usually stay one month each and so um, there 's no like uh, restrictions in terms of how you want to work. Every artist is free to to just focus on their work and have some sort of peace of mind after leaving their their, their usual daily life but of course there 'll always be some sort of interaction happen, happening with the, with the village, and uh, sometimes it 's a very direct uh, interaction. Sometimes people really collaborate um, very clearly, and other times it 's more like an, a humane exchange and Of course it, it should be like that. you know it just happens organically um, and so yeah, basically, here we are having Sylvia Rosi and Annie Marie Acuza. They were both there in August. And uh, today they'll just talk a little bit about uh, their experience there, how they work. They'll tell you a bit about their practice in general and what they did during their residency. And so um, they're both uh, very young, as you can see, and recently graduated, doing very well, I would say, these days. They've been, uh, Sil- Sylvia Rose has just uh, won an award from the Jerwoods uh, PhotoWorks Works um, in 2018, and Annie-Marie was just um, she came to the residency actually through an award that she won with the university of arts london we did a collabor- uh, a partnership with them um, a program called art for the environment and so that's how uh, that's how they got involved so yeah i'll let the w- i'll uh, i'll let you guys speak and uh, let's maybe uh, change the, the screen so that w- you can always go and check if you just google threats senegal you will you will find a lot of information about about the program, so let's start with Sylvia Rosie. Give her a hand. <laughs> <Thank> you.
1: <laughs> um, I think. Ah, you have already. Right, yeah, <laughs> now works. There I am. I just wanted to double check with you. You can hear me properly. Should I speak louder? Is that okay? Cool. <laughs> So um, hello, my name is Sylvia and today I'll I'll be talking to you about my practice and my experience at Thread. So the first images I'm going to show to you are um, portraits of my granddad and uh, my um, maternal grandmother Actually, the picture on the right is one of my favorite from the family album. Um, I've always been attracted to this image. I always picked it up, like touched it and looked at it. My young grandmother is standing in front of a plain of a plain backdrop. You got two steps behind her covered in a geometrically patterned fabric. She's striking a very, very confident pose, and while well, she's looking directly into the camera, she's wearing her best outfit, best accessorised, like necklace, and watch, <laughs> and traditional hairstyle as well. What fascinates me about this picture is like the simplicity and its beauty as well but also, I'm very curious about the studio setting and, which is almost like a a theatrical setting for my grandmother to um, showcase her best self. Um, On a trip to Togo in 2016, I visited the house of my paternal grandmother and As soon as I told her I have never seen a picture of my dad, her son, she presented me with these two images that portray my young dad and my young mother, uh, actually a few years before they migrated to Italy. Um, What struck me was that the only picture this woman had of her son was a picture that was in fact taken at a uh, a photographer's studio and is in fact a um, identification image. And what I expected really was a picture of my dad on his first day of school or of him like running around the garden or like next to the tree, um, which in the house is so close to his room, but that's what I got. Um, So I decided I wanted to investigate and the more photograph I actually encountered and the more I came to an understanding that the only way to sort of like unpack my family album was to learn more about the photographer's studio. So the first thing I did actually was to ask my mom and... She explained that when she grew up, they didn't have many cameras um, at home. So what they did was going to church on a Sunday in her best clothes and straight after it, head to the photographer's studio um, to have their portrait taken. Um, So that's why my uh, family album is traditionally made out of uh, studio portraits. And so the photographer would direct them um, and just to get the best image possible. So it's it's so interesting how the responsibility the photographer had on someone else's um, photo album. So in my research, um, after I was presented with a very important history and tradition of studio portrait in West Africa, which is so linked to my own um, family, but is also something that connects me to everyone else that so sort of, like lived those times, and um, as well, uh, you know, that is from West Africa. And this made me think a lot about migration and how my family album evolved from the studio to, a more sort of like snappy aesthetic has in this picture of my mom, thinking she's Whitney Houston somehow. (laughs) Um, When she migrated to Italy in the 80s, um, her and my dad documented their lives through disposable cameras and uh, um, small point-and-shoot. And And the results are the scanning images, which are stolen snaps, but they always retain that, you know, aesthetic uh, that resembles the studio portrait that is more, like, traditional. And in Sao as, my mother, I so decided to restage, um, as in that picture, my mother's snaps has uh, a young migrant in Italy and sort of, like, transfer them Uh, to the studio setting. So, while flicking through the images from the same family album, I encountered this image of my mother, and, which was taken in the market uh, in Lome. And this is one of the few rare images that are not taken in the studio setting, but actually um, in the market. And after seeing this image, I decided that I wanted to use the market in the same way as I used um, the studio to narrate my family history. So with the kind, kind help of Gerwig Gallery and PhotoWorks, I had the opportunity to travel and to explore different markets around Togo and work with market sellers, which I documented. This is actually uh, Part of my uh, personal research is not um, the work I'll be presenting. Um, But yeah, the chance to work with um, women in the market documenting their work. During my time at Thread in August, I had again the opportunity to visit markets in central uh, Senegal and work with women in the village as well. So the natural environment of thread and the proximity to the village gave me the opportunity to practice my head-carrying exercises while also being in direct contact with the people that practice them every day for obviously work and living purposes. Um, So yeah, I could observe them and then mimic them and practice my balancing of objects on my head um, and record my progress through the internet. I believe this video will work at some point, Um, but it was uh, um, a work I did inspired by um, Angelique. So Angelique is this lovely lady and she's a chef at Thread. Let's talk about Angelique. Um, she's a chef at Tread. So um, one day she was walking um, in the garden and um, she had a tray. She was hol- holding a tray in her hand. At a certain point, she heard her phone ringing. So she places the tray on her head, reaches to the pocket to grab her phone and takes the call and she's walking around, she's uh, gesticulating, she's comfortable, and the tray is almost like an extension of her own body. So I decided to create this piece um, in response to uh, my observations of Angelique. And um, it's uh, the women that I worked with at Thread that taught me head-carrying and different techniques are so relevant to this work, but are also not present in physical form. And I guess it's because of two reasons. The first one is because my work is mainly um, um, evolving around self-portrait, but also because of the nature of photography and the power of photography as a medium so these women might sort of like agree to be photographed by me and they will give their consent because they trust me but um in a way they don't know what they don't have a great understanding of what an exhibition is or what our fair like this one would been to today is so that's one of the reasons why I also decide not I decided not to include them in the work. It's kind of different in the city like Loma where people have a deep awareness of the medium as also because photography reached the continent continent shortly after its invention so people are comfortable with it they know what it is but as well in the city um they will, they will sometimes refuse to um, have the picture taken by you just because they also know that picture will contribute to the, you know, visual idea of people in the west of Africa, and also they sometimes know that the artist might make money out of their suffering, so that's why. I decided not to include them in the picture and that's why I also decided not to give any monetary compensation to anyone um, that I photographed. So yeah, this is it. I would like to end my talk with um, a picture of Annie's installation and showcase how much fun we had at Thread.
2: Mm-hmm. Over to Annie. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Good evening, everyone. Can you hear me? Yeah. Super. So, um, before I start, I just want to say thank you to Thread and thank you to UAL um, Art for the Environment for creating opportunities like this for postgraduate students because. Leaving leaving uni, it's um, very difficult to find um, spaces to work, find spaces to develop your practice. So thank you to Thread and thank you to UAL. Um, today, I am presenting a strata of archives, remnants and occurrences. Side A and side B. Site A is missing, but okay, we'll just carry on. Um, So, ordinarily, um, some of the subjects that I explore within my practice are the notions of belonging and the authenticity of identification documents within the context of inter-African migration. Um, society's paradigm of um, migrants are often from the Middle East and Africa, yet the prevailing ideologies, conversations, um, and, and, yeah, investigations around migratory movement, um, don't include inter-African migration and pertain to only movements um, to the West, i.e. crossing the Mediterranean Sea. Um, My interest in this context employed me to um, find forms or records of inter-African migratory movements and find out what forms these records held. So my first, um, my starting point for this context was the archives. And um, this was the National Archives in Accra where I looked through travel documents, deportation documents, passports, and so on and so forth. And what was interesting to me was um, the fact that I was able to track a particular person's movement or track a group of people's, a mass movement of a particular group into a specific space at a specific time. And this, in a way, it helps us. Um, learn about a country's histories, learn about a country's failures, its ambition, basically what was going on in a country at a particular time. Um, So for example, if you find several documents of Southwestern Nigerians in the 60s um, being deported from Ghana, you would easily link it to the aliens compliance order, the 1969 aliens compliance order, which was actioned by Buzia um, in Ghana. So um, what really drew me to, I'll take you back, What really drew me to these archives and these documents were some of the phrases and stamps which you might see scattered around in this presentation. And what I would do with these stamps um, was to sort of play with them, edit them, deduct the information that I didn't find interesting to me. So the notion of authenticity um, began to play within my work. Once this context was, once I, I um, started developing this context, I was interested in materials that alluded to this movement, that alluded to just inter-African migration. So, objects like the sacks, which are very um, well known, and and the jute sack, which um, allude to inter-African commerce. The multiplicity of materials um, and techniques and mediums within the work develops the context and enables me to explore paintings without any boundaries. Um, so, sorry. <clears throat> so the paintings um, begin to hold different characters which mirror the life of an expatriate. Once you move from A to B, the expatriate loses, the expatriate learns. The expatriate adapts um, within the new space that is being occupied. So I'm very much interested in found objects and um, the specificity of this. these found objects are really important to me. Uh, the materials that are found in spaces where um, an evidence of movement is found. So, an example in London, there's skips all around council estates. And when I see a huge pile of cupboards or a huge pile of beds or wooden objects, I'm immediately aware that someone has purchased new furniture or in, or there's a new tenant in. So I'm it's clear there's an evidence of movement. Um, so. You'll find a lot of door knobs um boards within the work. One of the agents um, of resolution within the work are um architectural forms found in specific um medias and uh, these architectural forms form the compositional foundation uh, for the paintings and but they're not just left as the architectural forms they they're flooded with painterly marks, mechanical marks, and this allows for the mediation of layering to occur. So this is a building in Sinchan and it's a nursery school um, really close to the to the uh, residency building. Very regularly, uh, Sylvia and I would take walks around with CC and would see uh, things that we were interested in. Yeah, so this is just a gate to a nursery school. But also, because my interests are my interest, um, a building need not have gaps or need not have voids or look a certain way um, for it to be an agent within the work. Um, for example, within this, building, uh, within this image you see a building and what attracted to me, what drew me to the building um, was this te- it had this texture which was very gritty-like and it was evident of how uh, the cement was uh, layered or manipulated on the wall. And this is something that I would employ in um, in new works or works to come. And similarly, this is a, an old railway station uh, in, in Tambacunda in Senegal. So you can already see that most of the um, works look uh, maybe influenced by things that look old, things that look decayed. But like I said, it's, that is not the main thing that would make me uh, want to use... This architectural form within the work, um, I think once an artist sees something they, they just naturally pick it up and use it within the work. There's no specific, um, I mean there's something specific but that is not the only thing that constitutes me selecting an object or a building within the work. So this is Homegoing, it's titled uh, after yaJc's Homegoing which is a uh, a historical fiction which tells the tale of descendants of an Asante woman who um, they become scattered across America because of slavery. And in *Homegoing*, you are presented with several images of um, Africans from Sierra Leone, Nigeria, and Ghana uh, traveling through the continent. Um, and here, the transfers are used and as overt uh, language to. Describe movements, to describe what happens during and after, and even before movement. The image transfers um, occur, with acetone image transfers occur when the, the pigment is moved from one surface to another. And uh, this is, some, some pigments will transfer in someone, so there's no one way of controlling it. And this is the same for migrants. Once we, like I said, once we move from A to B, we're no longer the same. Um, we will lose some pigment, we will lose some character, so that means we will keep reinventing ourselves. But to reinvent oneself, uh, one must uh, might consider ideologies um, triggered in the past, or even um, ideologies to be comprehended in the future. In 1957, Ghana gained independence, and... Uh, Dr Kwame Nkrumah who was her first president initiated the uh, young pioneers uh, to instill discipline and patriotism in the youth and they would have discussions they would have chants um, and celebrate Nkrumah in Ghana but it wasn't it wasn't until it wasn't until uh, maybe 20 when i was 21 22 that i started reading Nkrumah's ideologies and and uh, philosophies and i would often be in spaces where maybe I would I'd read something that I liked about him, so I just want to say it because I've read Nkrumah's book and maybe the person next to me probably didn't like Nkrumah, so in some spaces I would feel like I shouldn't be proud of saying uh, I believe in his ideologies. Um, So in Young Pioneers, for me, the question was, if I was born in that era, would I match with the Young Pioneers? Um, I'm not going to tell you the answer because, yeah. And, yeah, so I was kind of situating myself in this epoch of so many promises, this epoch of so many uncertainties, but it was a very forward-moving epoch, in my uh, opinion. So you're presented with, um, on the left side, you're presented with, uh, I would call it a tactile image of, uh, which has text imprinted on it, the text of chance and text from, that say, go slow, go slow, from Philocrates, go slow, and um, Again, this is to place myself in that era, but um, almost creating a heterotopian space—a space that does not really exist. Um, But you, not a utopian space, but yeah, a space, just a a layered space, different times. And um, so, music plays a a really important role within the work, but also in political times. So you know that um, musicians like Nana and Pedro, um, uh would make a BTA or Guitar Boy that would play when a coup d'etat was about to happen or after a coup d'etat was about to happen. So music plays an important work, uh, role in the work and it's scattered across. So in Young Pioneers, um, you're, you have a stamp alluding to 1994. In Young Pioneers, you have um, the image of the young pioneers alluding to 57, so there's, you're presented with so many spaces in one, on one surface that doesn't really uh, exist or would never exist, to be honest. Um, <clears throat> so back to Thread, Thread was uh, an, an incredibly calm space that allowed me to to think about my practice, and um, but a space where I was easily triggered by new materials. So before arriving in Sinchen, I was aware that I wanted to experiment with uh, new forms of making and paper making to be exact. So uh, working from old newspapers and interesting fibers and thinking through the ideas of reshaping, um, reshaping my practice, reshaping the archives, reshaping the now. Um, But the archives was a very important bit, as I've said, that was the starting point, as well as architectural forms. So <clears throat> the archive, which is of course uh, very important and appears in different forms, in documents, in oral history, um, our value. And there are, to me, an agent that can be used in reshaping history um, and heter- heterotopias if, if you want to. In Dakar, I visited the National Archives, um, which had two sites and they were going through a process of moving. One site was functioning, and so people would come in and research, and the other, um, it wasn't functioning in that regard, but they held uh, documents of government officials, and this is an image of a room filled with archives, filled with documents, and they could hold literally anything, or you could open it and it could just be receipts from, I don't know, a supermarket, um, which could be useful. Um, so one of my concerns, around the archive was as an artist who continuously use, uses the archive, what is my role in preserving um, and protecting the archive so that um, it doesn't end up like this um, or given away, stolen, or in the wrong hands, especially at the, uh, the African archive, because um, anyone can literally walk in the room and say, oh, it looks like you want to discard this, can I keep this? And then the person holds a whole, an entire country's history so what is my role in preserving this? Um, but also as, as Africans, we demand for artifacts to be returned back home. But if we keep our archives like this, if we keep our um, valuable records of our country, of our, our, our history, um, maybe we should really consider whether we want them back now. Um, But there are spaces that we can, there are spaces that hold documents, there are spaces but they're just not uh, functioning conscientiously, it's it's clearly a building dedicated to the archives but, and this room is about four feet so I had to climb. It's a four feet room full of of documents. Um, So I had to climb to read, obviously I could pick one but I thought why not get a nice photo on top of the books, yeah. Um, but it was about four feet full of dust. Um, yeah, so here's uh, an image of me going through the archives in the car. My residency in Senegal commenced my, big, um, my return, or should I say the beginning of me practicing back home. And during the first half of my residency, I really began to myself within my practice using the land, uh, landscape. I began to consider the plant as a metaphor for an entity that is being moved. Um, so this is a still from a film that is uh, a work in progress. And the film, in the film you see clips uh, from different parts of Tamba but you also see clips of me almost repotting and retransplanting uh, a cashew plant. And the cashew plant because of how thin its roots are. But um, also really metaphorical in, in the sense of um, moving back home and um, being able to spread my uh, spread my roots, being able to practice and, sh- uh, and show people what I'm doing with the archives. For a long time I was uh, questioning why I would go to Accra, take the archives, make work, work here um, in a community um, that to some extent I didn't feel like I belonged in. So people in Ghana would never see the work that I was making, but I was using the archives. Meanwhile, there was a huge community at home where I could make work in, so I've gathered the confidence to go back home and make work. So, um, yeah, whilst I was out there, <coughs> the in in thread, we had visitors, and there was an uncle who came. We call him Tonton. <laughs> he came to visit. He was quite an old, quite a, no, he was he was an old older man, and uh, he was writing a book which was a little pessimistic, and uh, the book was titled something like, and the drought will finish it all, but uh, it was a book dictating that colonialism and climate change would completely wipe Africa. So he acknowledged the fact that uh, the sting of Colonialism, the sting of neocolonialism was present, but he was very significant. In, um, he was saying significant things, which almost felt like a prophecy that um, climate, literally climate change, would be the last of Africa. There was no, there's no hope for us to be independent at all. Um, and the, during the time he was saying this, the rainfall in Sinchan was really changing. So I was like, oh my God, this guy might be right. Maybe in two weeks we won't be alive, kind of thing. So rainfall in Senegal was a severely drop, a significantly dropping and there was less and less rain. Um, but yeah, it made me for the first time think about climate change within my work. It's something I've never ex- uh, thought about, but really um, what it means like for a continent that produces maybe less waste than the whole world and we might be affected the most. Um, so it's something that's new to me and something I'm exploring. It's just an old uh, Ghanaian notes. But, yeah, this conversation is is valid for all countries and all people, black or white or whatever. Um, So I made uh, this installation and titled it, which means, and if the drought comes, we will not flee. Um, Because it was in in time or in line with me coming back and him saying that, look, you're coming back at the time where this country, the drought will just finish this place. And I'm kind of saying, if I return, as I'm, I've am i returned, if the drought comes, I'm here to stay, I'm here to work. But also, um, it's an optimistic way of saying that these things that are still, that we're doing, these things that we're doing in Sinchan, i.e. Uh, uh, self-sufficiency in Sinchan, things like inter-African commerce, into african, uh, into african migration are things that can uh, change, change uh, this narrative around. Well, that's what, what I believe. Um, anyway, so it's an assemblage of uh, objects that hold um, practices that are pos- uh, possible solutions. So you have uh, the indigo fabric, uh, you've got the jute sack, and on the right you've got transfers of, of people uh, migrating this is shown in S27. So I will finish off. This is me and CSA installing uh, in, in th- at thread. I'll finish off by speaking about a strand of my practice which is still developing and core to what I do. I'm really interested in how my work exists or functions uh, in alternative spaces as an agent of change and thinking about how we can create policies in spaces occupied by marginalized people, so I often do workshops and, and interventions in specific spaces, but I kind of want to grow beyond that and, and think about how arts and policy are one, and how I can, in in spaces like Ghana where um, politicians or or the government do things in, um, in official ways, um, thinking about how Art can really change policy, make policy, uh, form certain protocols that, these are the things I'm thinking about uh, now. Um, and very much inspired by um, Thread as a building, but also um, the SCCA that was funded by Ibrahim Mahama, and trying to think about my role as an artist to build spaces like that where other people can use um, Beyond just showing in galleries or beyond showing in workshops, um, so that is that is where my practice is at. So thank you.